What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Water Boy Podcast. Today is episode number 25, and we have a very, very special guest on. We have my best friend growing up, Division Three baseball player, Luca Rubin, coming out of Babson, playing uh, left, center, right, center. Anywhere, wherever they put me. He, just, he's a utility man. I'm playing outfield. My name's yeah. Luca Rubin. I go to school in Boston, playing baseball there. Excited to be on the podcast, really. Just okay. Yeah, we're so... pumped to have you on. We got a bunch of questions loaded up, ready for you. As you can see on my screen, we have at least 15 questions ready for you, ready to go. I know you're already reading them, but yeah. uh, we got them up on the screen, ready for you, ready to go. We're really excited to have you on, Boogs. We're really hyped. But before we get into any uh, questions about your career as an athlete, let's get into the real meat, the real gritty stuff. Your life as a fan, specifically a Yankees fan, right now. So. The New York Yankees right now have been on a tear, unlike anything we've ever seen. And I just want to know a little bit, what do you think about the New York Yankees? What's going on right now? What do you think about this start to the season? Uh, what are you thinking about the future of this team? Yeah, so I think this Yankees team is different, right? I hated the offseason moves. I wanted to sign a big shortstop. We got Kiner Falefa and Donaldson, which is like, I'm not super fired up over. I think both of them have been great. Kiner Falefa's played great defense he hits 260 270 that's fine he's going to be an eight hitter in this lineup this year donaldson donaldson's an absolute tool he was one of my least favorite players going into this year but you know what he's one of those guys where it's like you hate him when he's not on your team and when he's on your team you kind of love it because here's the thing about the yankees is they've always been the team that's gotten the short end of the stick like it just feels like every year that another team, like the other team is getting the last laugh, right? Like the Ashers get the last laugh. The White Sox get the last laugh. The Red Sox get the last laugh. And like, when you have a guy like Donaldson on your team, it's like, it almost feels like you're always getting that last laugh. And I'm not saying Donaldson's a huge morale guy. I know he's very controversial in the Yankees clubhouse right now. But when you have a player like that on your team, when you have a player like that on your team, it's like, I'd rather him on our team than another team. You exactly. Know? You know. I mean, the dude, the dude was on the Twins last, last two, three years. So like, yeah. I, I think Grant, you and I both got to see him play too. Twins guy he, over he, here. Yeah. You know, big Kepler yeah. guy over here. Love Max Kepler. I, he, yeah, yeah he's he, he's all actually, prefaces with saying like the Yankees played the Twins, and the only reason we beat them is because they have no pitching. But yeah. the Twins, Joe, Joe Yankees Ryan took two of three, but the Twins kind of dominate the Yankees, and like. I'm not saying that historically because historically oh, the no Twins way. have always been the little brother. Throughout my life, yeah. it always seems like, oh, Yankees get the Twins in the first round. There was a big meme going out there that was like, it was just always, always. Who do you want to play, Cashman? And it was Minnesota. You know, like <laughs> the Yankees love playing the Twins in the first round. 2019 AL, ALDS, the Yankees one. absolutely dominated the Twins, took three of three from them. Yeah. And, but it's like, the thing about Donaldson is like, I didn't love him. I, I've, he's always been one of my least favorite players in the league, to be honest. But when he's on your team, you kind of got to love him. You kind of got to buy into like what he's doing. You got to buy into the bat flipping a double. You got to buy into him chirping the third base dugout. I mean, like as a Yankees fan, I'm very traditional. You know, we play good baseball. We beat the other team, but it's like, it's nice to have that on your team. Yeah. So what did you have something? Yeah, I guess so. So obviously Donaldson, you got you got some, you know, you're happy he's on your team. 
Yeah, but he's only played. Like, obviously, there's some question marks with him with morale and stuff in the locker room. My question for you is, how do you feel about Garrett Cole? Because Garrett Cole, my running thing is, no matter if it's him or the other team, first inning, no matter what, somebody's going to score. Normally, it's off of Garrett Cole, and normally, it doesn't end well. See, Garrett Cole scares me. Like, whenever you watch a Garrett Cole start, the Yankees start at 4.05, and I'm tuned in at 4 o'clock because (laughs) I know if Garrett Cole has a clean first inning, he's going to dominate. And today against the Astros, he dominated. I mean, we got unlucky. I don't really want to talk about today because, yes, the best team in the MLB got no hit. Sure, that's something to talk about. Great. Yeah, we're going to get into that later. Garrett Cole absolutely shoved today. And when Garrett Cole gets through those first three outs, he cruises. He's one of those guys that will just get better as he goes. He throws throws 98 in the first inning. And if it's a fucking – if it's a big game, he'll – get up to a hundred, you know, like he's one of those guys that he feeds off the energy. The thing about like the energy I talk about, the energy gets deflated from a game when the team scores, when the away team scores the first two runs of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So Garrett Cole's a big energy guy out there. He's, he's a big, like he shows a lot of emotion. Start on time. Doesn't like to be delayed. Exactly. And that's great. When he gets through those first three outs, he is money and you see him, you can't say this about any other pitcher in the league two or three times the order, especially through like as a baseball player, like when you go two or three times through the order, you're going to finally get that guy. But I think Garrett Cole gets better as the game goes on. And like, I don't know, it's with a lot of other guys, it's like, all right, for the first two times through the order, it's scary. Garrett Cole's the opposite. You know, like he gets through that first the three more, outs. The more he sees, and guys the more he goes, he, he gets in his groove. And you can tell, yeah, a lot of guys you can tell through the first three outs what kind of start he's going to have. Garrett Cole, you see it through the first six outs or the first nine outs. If he gets through the order, the first time through the order clean, he's going to have a great day. Yeah, I mean the thing with Garrett Cole though, like if he gets through that first order clean, like he's gonna, he normally has a pretty good good game. Maybe lets one or two up in the third inning, maybe the sure. fourth. He's got that middle. The thing, though, is, like, even if Garrett Cole doesn't start off well, normally, like, he kind of gets back into it later. So, there's a lot of pitchers, though, like, that are exactly like that. And I think even, like, even the Dodgers have pitchers that, you know, like, if they just get through the first inning or two, like, they're just clean. Like, Walker Buehler. That's, that's what like concerns that. me in a playoff game. Like, there's so much energy in the Bronx. There's, there's so, so much so energy in, the in New York. Runs early and- Hold, so. Well, here's the thing about Garrett is like he's never gonna have a short leash because the Yankees paid him so much. He never has a short leash. I know this year against put him in. Yeah. this year against Baltimore, he had a bad start and he threw eight innings and he gave up like five or six runs, but he got through eight innings because it was like this is our guy. We're paying him three hundred twenty million dollars. Like he kind of has to go seven or eight. Yeah, but just in a playoff atmosphere, it's like. Like I said, there's so much energy in New York. There's so much energy in the Bronx where it's like we can't have a guy that might struggle in the first inning because all the energy in the Bronx gets sucked out right away. And it's like if we're down two or three runs after the first, you're just kind of praying on a Yankees comeback. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you guys have the bad situation you want to be in. The Yankees have the bats to be able to do that, but you also are now putting the pitching in the hands of Chapman. And I don't know how I feel about that if I'm a Yankees fan. Well, I mean, the Chapman thing's... It's essentially Craig Kimbrell, but but for the Yankees. 
Well, here's the thing well, about the well, Yankees, which parlays into my second point. It's like yeah. okay. the Yankees have the most dominant reliever in baseball right now in Clay Holmes. And yeah. Clay Holmes had a 30-inning streak where he never gave up a run. And the one – it got broken this past week. And the one yeah. run he gave up was on a – guy got absolutely fisted, chopper to third base where no one can make that play. It's fair. And like fair. Mariano Rivera had – I don't know what it was, 26, 27 innings of scoreless baseball, and everyone knows it's unanimous. Mariano Rivera is the best reliever of all time. He's the best closer of all time. He's the best reliever of all time. He was absolutely shut down. Mariano Rivera threw a 92-mile-per-hour cutter. Everyone knew it was coming, and nobody could hit it. Yeah. So here's what I love about Clay Holmes is Clay Holmes is kind of the same way. He throws – I mean, it's a little bit higher leverage. He throws 97, 98-mile-per-hour sinkers. He was throwing it 50% of the time on the Pirates, and the Yankees absolutely fleeced that deal, got him, and they said, hey, buddy, you got to throw this pitch 80% of the time. And now he's throwing that cutter instead of 50%. He's throwing this cutter 80% of the time, and it works. Excuse me, sinker, sinker, not a cutter. A a sinker going 98 miles per hour is almost unhittable. I mean, as a lefty batter, it starts as you're at your hip and runs back to the middle of the plate. I mean, nobody yeah. can hit it. And he had 30-plus yeah. innings of scoreless baseball as a reliever, which is unbelievable, especially with the teams the Yankees are playing, with the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Red Sox. I mean, they're playing tough opponents like Houston, the Guardians who can swing it. Don't forget the Orioles. Can't forget the Orioles. I mean, I mean, say what you want about the Orioles, but this is a different Orioles team. Than the Orioles are kind of the Yankees' kryptonite. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes they get them just for whatever reason. The Orioles are a opinion, different that's team like one this of the year. Toughest divisions in baseball. Like, yeah, I, I actually think they have four teams above 500 right now. I'd argue this is one of the best teams. In, I, I'd argue this the is Orioles. one of the best divisions in sports. Yeah, yeah no, literally. And like, I would say, wait, okay, okay, hold on. The Western I'll Conference, the this AFC and the cast. NBA, but. The NBA, but so I mean, so in, individual divisions throughout sports. The top divisions in all of the sports are probably the NL West. Uh, was the AL East not the NL West anymore? You don't think so anymore? I disagree. No. I'd say the AFC West the in football. So I mean, the, in football, the definitely the Chargers, the AFC Raiders, best. and the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, any of those teams can win that. Yeah, division. for sure. Any of those teams can win the Super Bowl, quite frankly. So I'd say yeah. that's probably the best division in sports. But the AL, but like overall, like across across sports, you probably yeah, have yeah. the the AFC West, the AL East, the NL West is probably. I don't they're, know about they're that. kind of they're shaky, the but they're so pretty still, good. Like, the bottom half is so bad, and there's only five teams. The NL West has yeah. those bottom gotta, feeders. Where the AL things. East is like, sure, the Orioles are the bottom feeder, but I like what they're doing. They have a lot of young guys that are playing good baseball. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Let, let's get off the Orioles talk because at the end of the day, Bless nobody you. cares. Uh, okay, I got one. Get it out. Get it out. I, I got I got one question for Bugs. Before I get really into these relievers, I need to find out about the starting pitchers. In my opinion, past couple of years, the Yankees, I'm not sure if you're going to think the problems in the lineup. In my opinion, starting pitching has been lackluster. It's always been the starting pitch. The second Absolutely. Garrett Cole got uh, got signed to the Yankees, everyone was like, okay, we fix it. Like I, I was reading on Twitter all over the place, Yankee fans are just like, we finally fixed it. We have an ace finally to get a dub in Yankee Stadium game one. This year, you guys got, forget Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, Tylon, 
uh jaymont i don't know if he's out here he's been great the yankees in my opinion the starters this year has really been where it's turned around picked up and i know nestor has had some great years in the past last year he had like a sub three he's great but this year nestor's is turning it up to a different level i just want to know a little bit about the starters and i first thing i want to know is do you think the stars have been the problem in the past? Because in my eyes, the pitching has been where the Yankees have been lacking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always been a guy that will trust the Yankees lineup, especially with Judge in the middle of it. DJ LeMay Hughes won two batting titles in the past five years, one in the NL and one in the AL. Uh, I love Glaber Torres. I love – I don't know. I, I like Anthony Rizzo. Um. And we have guys that fill in. Like, I think John Josh Donaldson's a great replacement for Gio Urshela, who was one of my favorite players. On the Twins now. out here stepping up. Trevino's IKF been absolutely great. IK, IKF will hit 260, 270. Not a lot of pop. But you already say Giancarlo. Guy, especially at the bottom of the order. But here's the thing about the Yankees starting pitching this year is I think every single one of those guys is a sub-3-4, sub-3-3 guy. And as a Yankees fan – you're just asking for the guy to go out there and give you six innings of three, three run baseball. And like those ERAs get deflated guys have bad starts and their ERA goes up a full point. And like, that's fine. But Jamison Tyone came off two Tommy John surgeries and he's finally back now. Garrett Cole actually recruited Jamison Tyone because they played together on the pirates and Cole came to the Yankees and he was like, look guys, we got to get Tyone. I know this guy's have had injury injury worries i know shout out garrett he's had terrible defense behind him the whole time but like just trust this guy and jameson tyone's been the x factor for the yankees this year so the highest era on the yankees right now uh is a relief pitcher jonathan i don't know so i was going to talk about him later but jonathan wiseaga was Pretty much Clay Holmes last year. I mean, Jonathan Loisega has been unhittable for the past two seasons, and he had weird command issues. But my theory on Jonathan Loisega is that he just got hurt recently. He hasn't pitched in the past 20, 30 days, but he was bad in 2022. He's been great yeah. in 2020, 2021. He's been absolutely lights out, especially last year. And I honestly think he's dealing with a dead arm. I, I think he's hurt, and I think he was pitching hurt from the start of this year because he didn't look the same as he was last year. But last year, he was our closer slash yeah. the oh shit guy, which the oh shit guy <laughs> is basically like, oh my God, everything's going to hell. Bases loaded, no outs. Who do we bring in to win this game? And that was Jonathan Loisega last year. And I think he can be that guy this year, and I think that's what makes the Yankees so dangerous because I don't know if Chapman will come back to his true self, but the whole formula – the, the formula last year was Loisga in the eighth, Chapman in the ninth, and that was pretty shut down for the Yanks last year. This year, like I said, I don't know if I trust Chapman, but I think Loisga can come back, and it can be King for the seventh, Loisga for the eighth, and Clay Holmes for the ninth, and I think that'll be great. I honestly – Loisga eighth, no Chapman in there involved? I have no Chapman there involved. Okay. I have completely written off Chapman. Yeah, I, I mean – No faith. Seeing what Clay Holmes has done too – why do we need to rush Chapman yeah. back? Why do we need to force a closer that's not really our closer? I mean, hell, Clay Holmes threw 30 innings of no run baseball. Look, so so you Clay Holmes that on any other team. Clay Holmes has has pitched 33.2 innings. He has an ERA of 0.53. Chapman in comparison has pitched 14. 
has an ERA of 386. Loisega has an ERA of 702. And the lowest or highest on the team is Lewis Gill at nine. Yeah, I mean, Lewis Gill is a triple-A guy. I mean, he's a spot starter for the Yankees. So. That. Yeah, okay. One thing I want to... We'll, we'll stay on topic of the relievers right here for the Yankees. Uh, so we brought up uh, uh, Michael King. We brought up uh, who, 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 Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes. We brought up a little bit of troubles and guys we've expected to perform. Lawizaka, Chapman, uh, Chad also Green. Uh, Chad Green out for the year. So despite either these guys going to the IL or just underperforming, I'm kind of surprised that the Yankees still have other arms in the pen to still go out and dominate despite losing probably what we thought were going to be their three best relievers going into the year. And one guy I really want to talk about is Wandy Peralta. I mean, we got Wandy Peralta from the Giants for Mike Talkman, who is now a certified AAA player. I mean, Mike Talkman is garbage. I loved Mike Talkman on the Yankees. He was a great fourth outfielder. He was the guy you kind of plug in. He was he was great for the Yankees. He played really well. He kind of fed off that Bronx energy, and I loved him. But we did a one-for-one one at the beginning of the last year, Wandy Peralta for Mike Talkman. And before the uh, what game? Before the Rays game, I think, when Wandy – oh, I think it was either the Rays or the uh, – it was either the Rays or the Twins where Wandy Peralta came in and gave up a three-run home run. Wandy Peralta Thanks. had a sub-two this year. I think that might have been the twins. I think that might have been a rise. I think it was. And Wandy Peralta is rise. a lefty specialist that can get you through an inning or two. And I absolutely love the Wandy Peralta pickup. I think on the Yankees, since he's come to the Yankees, before he came to the Yankees, he was a four, five, five ERA guy. And Wandy Peralta came to the Yankees. And since he's been on the Yankees, I'm pretty sure he's hovering around that two or sub two ERA guy, which is unbelievable because I mean, ERA as as a bolt. I, I keep using the stat ERA for bullpen guys, and it's like, how much does that matter? If a guy throws twenty five innings of three run baseball, a bigger, uh, absolutely. Indicator. I think if a guy throws twenty five innings of three run baseball, and then he comes in and gets one out and just blows up and gives up three or four runs, his ERA goes up a full point. Literally, which you can't say about a starter. Yeah, Wandy Peralta has been absolutely money for the Yankees bullpen. And it's Mike King, it's Wandy Peralta, and it's Clay Holmes. Those three guys I have the utmost confidence in when they come into the game. Because Wandy Peralta throws 96, 97-mile-per-hour sinkers from the left side, which is just devastating for lefties. He struggles against his righties, but against lefties, he dominates. Horrifying. No, 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 I completely agree. He dominates. All right, okay. We'll, we'll get off the pitching topic now. Uh it's about time we finally get into it. The Yankees lineup this year. It's been absolutely nuts. I don't think we've had quite a killer lineup like this. The, the Bronx bombers in a while, uh, this year, of course, Aaron judge has been stepping up to a different level. Uh, what have your opinions been moving off of Gary Sanchez? Now, Jose Trevino has been stepping up. I know, uh, uh, Higashioka or whatever, kind of struggling start of the year, but yeah. Jose Trevino finally in the lineup. You got a catcher who can hit. IKF, in my opinion, has been great now. I think he's a great end of the lineup. Get on base. Get your guys to start the lineup. Hit him in. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this lineup? Uh, the offseason changes specifically, getting rid of Gary, getting rid of uh, Urshela. Uh, what do you think about that? So I really love this Yankees lineup. 
the only guy I'm a little bit worried about is DJ LeMahieu because he's shown series where he's good. He's shown games where he's back to himself, but he didn't have a good last season and he's not having a great year this year in 2022. And DJ LeMahieu is a guy we rely on to kind of set the table. You know, he's a guy we rely on to get on base, get it to judge, get it to Rizzo, get it to Stanton. And He's been very okay. And the thing about DJ is like, he was always a guy that could just go three for four in games, just hit balls up the middle. We weren't expecting a lot of pop from him. You know, we're not expecting doubles. We're not expecting home runs. We just need him to get on base, walk something. Yeah. The, uh, the last time that he batted above 300 was in 2020. Right. He had a bad so, last year, and he's not having no, great this no. year. And that's he's doing worse this year so far than he did last year to this, like statistically. Yeah. And I thought he had a terrible last year, and I thought he's been okay this year, but statistically, he's obviously been worse this year than last year. And it's weird because he's shown flashes of quote unquote old DJ, but we haven't seen it consistently. And he's talked about that. I mean, he talked to the yes guys about being. He's this is his quote. He said he wanted to be more consistent consistently where he wanted to be a guy that could come up and just hit singles, hit doubles consistently. Yeah. And he hasn't really been that. And he's been put in the leadoff spot almost every single game this year because it's like we don't like leading off a judge. We don't love leadoff Riz, even though it's fun some days. And, like, Hicks has been – Hicks has had a great month this year, but he hasn't been great all year. So it's like we kind of have no other choice, like – like I said earlier in the episode, like he has two batting titles. So it's like, why not put that guy at lead off? But we need a little bit more out of DJ. And that's all I got to like, that's all I got to say about this lineup because I know Glaber's heating up. Uh, John Carlos been a little cold recently, but he's starting to heat up. He hit two home runs in this Astro series. Judge is going to judge is going to hit 290 because he's a 290 hitter. Rizzo's going to hit his 240, 250 with some pop because that's what you get out of Rizzo. But the thing about the Yankees is we're really missing that true leadoff hitter. And here's something that I don't hate, which might be a hot take, is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has been a seven or eight hitter all year. I don't mind moving him to the leadoff spot and see what he does there. Move him for two weeks. Move him for three weeks. See what he does. See what happens. Because DJ's hitting 250, 260, not a lot of pop, hasn't been super consistent. Like, we can't put Hicks back there. I don't hate, I hate to slander on Hicks because he's been great this past month, but I don't like Hicks in the top of the order. I think why not kind of Falefa? you know? I mean, yeah. he's been great at the bottom of the order and sure that might change when he gets to the top of the order, but I think it's worth a shot. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm kind of with that. I, I kind of think IKF kind of brings a little, a little attitude to the team and uh Something I was talking about earlier with uh, Luca, something uh, a little a little prospect recruit. I feel like in recent, I feel like we kind of know the Yankees historically. Like, of course, the Yankees got to have a good farm system. I don't know what it is, but I feel like right now the prospects you guys have on the rise about to come up. I don't think I've heard this like steam coming out of Yankees prospects in a while. So we were talking about it earlier, but like in my opinion, this guy Anthony Volpe. I'm not sure if he's the guy, but. They got him. I think they got another guy, Oswaldo Perez, maybe. Peraza as Oswaldo Perez. They got other shortstops coming up. In my opinion, IKF, you just need one, maybe two more years out of him. You had a new guy coming up, new guy at short. 
Uh, obviously, Donaldson, you could find a new third baseman. Judge also, we'll get into that in a second, just resigned for next season. But in terms of this outlook in middle infield, Glaber, kind of an iffy spot at second, like his defense, a little shaky, obviously great hitting. Uh, I know some Yankees fans have had some opinions on Glaber when it comes to fielding. Uh, what are your thoughts on like the futures of the Yankees lineup? Like I'm, let's just assume judge re-signs uh, DJ DJ's only getting older. Giancarlo, he's probably only what, like 31, 32. You still got like another like, three years of him hitting bombs, but in terms of the recent short term uh, future of the Yankees, what are you thinking for this lineup? Yeah. So I think Anthony Volpe is going to come up in a year or two. And I think that's a big reason why the Yankees didn't, sign a big shortstop this offseason it's because why sign a guy when you have one of the best prospects coming up who's a shortstop everyone see that's the weird thing is like we tried glaber at shortstop because the funny thing is when when glaber came up he was supposed to be the shortstop for the yankees for the next 15 years yeah and we gave him a full season at shortstop last year and he proved that he has defensive woes and that turned into offensive woes, which yeah. is like a huge thing. And I think like as a, a player, like I think Glaber's been so much better as a hitter this season than he's a, compared he's to a last season. I think he's just and a even smart plug off even bench. compared Someone to 2019, where he, when, when we had Didi Gregorius at shortstop, it's like we weren't relying on his defense and we weren't relying on him to play shortstop. And shortstop and second base are two completely different positions. Yeah. Like. A guy that can play second, sure, he can play shortstop, but long-term, it's like he can fill in at shortstop because if he's expected to play 162 games at shortstop, his offense is going to struggle if he's not playing good defense. Yeah. And that's exactly really? what we saw with Glaber Torres. Mm-hmm. And I think Glaber moving back to second, I think Glaber is going to be our second baseman for at least the next four years. And I think he's he plays a good second base. He did, I can't say that about his shortstop. I mean, I can't say he played a good shortstop because he didn't. He plays a good second base, and he can hit. And, like, we like that. But I think Volpe comes up in the next year or two, and I think that's the Yankees' plan. I think that's why they didn't sign a big shortstop. And I don't know. I think IKF is honestly a rental. And if he walks and yeah, he goes, no, I agree. It's a short that's fine. He's been great. Know? But that's that's kind of, like, that's kind of goes back to my point of saying, why not put him in the leadoff spot? It's like – why not squeeze all this juice out of him that we have right now? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, if he sucks as a leadoff hitter, he sucks as a leadoff hitter. Yeah. And that's fine. Fair. But why not give that a chance? You know, because mm-hmm. he's not the Yankees answer. That's not going to be too much pressure on him to put him as a leadoff hitter because like he, he's not going to be the Yankee shortstop for the next five years. Yeah. So why not try him in different spots in the lineup? Yeah. Okay. One thing I just want to say uh, real quick. I don't want, I don't want to hold Luca for too long, but uh Something I've just been reading about a lot. So uh, I, I know the Yankees end up losing this game, but a couple of days ago, if they had beaten the Blue Jays in this game, they would have had the best start to a Yankee season. I literally think since Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio yeah. days, like that's mm-hmm. how long it's been since the Yankees have had a start as good as they've had right now. Uh, you were giving me a little hint of this the other week and, I try to not offend Yankee fans. I know you guys are very, very passionate, protective over your past teams, but Luca, you were telling me this straight. So I'm just going to ask it straight up. How good is this Yankees team? And is this the best Yankees team you've seen in what 
18 years, maybe your entire life. Like how good is this Yankees team compared to past Yankees teams you've seen in the past? In our recent history, this is the best Yankees team I've seen in the past five years. Absolutely. I've probably the past 10 years. I mean, that 2009 team, that team was special. That obviously, I that think Yankees that, team had. I think it might have the best infield of the 2000s so far. When you look at that infield, Teixeira, Cano, Jeter, Arod. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the best infields I can remember. I don't. Objectively. I don't know how you can beat that. Uh, like. But here's the thing can't. about this Yankees team, which the late game heroics they seem fun. But if you like really want to dissect them, it looks like, oh, the Yankees had a close game. But here's the thing about every other team. When every other team comes to the Bronx, this game feels bigger than any other game. It doesn't feel like a regular season yeah. game. And that's when the thing. That's Yankee the pressure State, of playing in the thing. Bronx and playing as a Yankee and playing in the Yankee Stadium. It's like everyone, every team wants to beat you more than they want to beat a random team in their division. Exactly. Yeah. So. The Yankees team this year has had a ton of walk-offs. And I remember that 2009 team that won the World Series, they had a ton of walk-offs. I think they had 11 or 12-plus walk-offs, which is unbelievable. And this team is kind of feeling like it was in 09. Like, this team feels different. And the thing is, we have the pieces. Our starting pitching's been great. Our bullpen's been great. And it's like, our lineup's been good. I want more out of the lineup, obviously, but I think if we can carry on this pitching and carry on this relievers, I don't want to, I'm trust me. I'm a negative Yankees fan. I've always, I hated what they did this off season. I thought we were so down and out. I thought we were going to finish third or fourth in the AL East. And it's like, this formula is what they've built. What they have right now is built for a run. And I think this Yankees team is different than I've seen in the past because it's always been relying on the home runs. Starting pitching will get you over and just try to get it to the bullpen. But like, that doesn't last for 162 games, and that sure as hell does not last in the playoffs. I mean, you need a good starting pitching. If you look at all the past World Series winners, Amazing. they've had guys in their starting rotation that steps up. Like sure, that. the bullpen's huge. Like, if you have a team that will just blow leads in the bullpen, you're getting bounced early in the playoffs. I mean, that's just a fact. But you need starting pitching that's going to take the pressure off the bullpen, maybe make some of these guys not work back-to-back -back nights. And that's the formula for success. So I'm okay with the fact that I don't love the Yankees lineup right now, but I love their starting pitching and I love their bullpen. And that's the formula right there. Yeah. You know, I, I, I agree with that right now. Like when I look at past Dodger teams, my whole perspective on build, uh, building a perfect MLB team, it's all built around my perspective of the Dodgers, what they've been doing past couple of years. And for me, I feel the most confident in the Dodgers when they got lights out pitching and they can actually get hits and runs from their one through four. I don't know what it's been past couple of years of the Dodgers, but one through four does not produce. It's five through nine who gets the hits. And I, I just feel like whenever Dodgers struggle against other teams, their one through four is going off producing 60, 70% of the runs. Uh, and our one through four is just doing nothing. All right, we're back. Sorry for the quick little inconvenience. Uh, me and Luca had to run to the little men's room, uh, but you know, no big deal. Uh, real quick before we let Luca go, though, uh, we got one more quick question for you, brother. We got, we got some more stuff. Or do we we're have multiple quick it. questions? Yeah, uh, we got multiple, multiple quick questions. Yeah. Uh, I know something you really want to get into was about Aaron Hicks. Hicks started the year 
struggling a lot. I'm pretty sure he began the year as a leadoff hitter. I might be wrong, but I think Hicks kind of trying to plug him into that guy real quick before I get to your answer. In my opinion, other than catcher and pitcher shortstop and center field are your, your prime defensive positions. And in my opinion, from a Dodger fan perspective, I would rather have good fielders at center and short than great hitters and below average uh, fielders. So what is your opinion on Hicks? Let's take the full accountant. Let's include fielding. What is the full picture opinion on Hicks? Do you think he can play another two, three seasons in the Bronx? So here's what I heard about Hicks going into this month of June is he either plays really bad and we cut him because we're paying Aaron Hicks a lot of money. So it's either cut him or trade him. Did he come from the twins too? Hicks came from the twins. Yep. And the thing about Hicks is Hicks has all the tools. Hicks is a switch hitter. Mm-hmm. He's got a cannon of an arm in the outfield. He's a great fielder. He's a great fielder. But early in the year, Hicks's bat was bad. His fielding wasn't great. And now the Yankees are running out Aaron Judge in center field. And they're moving Hicks to left field. Which is a bit of an injury concern to me. And that's a bit of an injury Throwing concern, especially since, I mean, Yankee Stadium, right? Yankee Playing right field at Yankee Stadium is probably the easiest position to play in all of sports. I mean, <laughs> you play right field at Yankee Stadium and you have a shallow wall behind. I mean, we, we throw Giancarlo Stanton in right. I mean, he's naturally a left fielder and we put him in right on the days he's not DHing because, I mean, hell, why Get not? We're in done. Yankee Stadium. But Aaron Judge has been playing center field and Aaron Hicks has been playing left field. And here's the thing about Hicks. Hicks has had an electrifying June month. I mean, he hit that game tying home run the other night. I mean, he's, he hit the three run triple against the Jays, which won the game, potentially won the series against Alec Manoa, who is my dark horse horse to win AL Cy Young. But I mean, this month of June was either the Yankees are going to pray that Aaron Hicks plays well so we can deal him at the deadline or he plays bad and the Yankees just cut him because he's been absolutely terrible this past year. And what I love about Aaron Hicks playing well this month is I think he's valuable for a trade piece. And sure, Yankees fans are going to hate that take. Yankees fans aren't going to want to get rid of Hicks, especially after what he's done recently. But I think that's the big problem with the Yankees in general. It's kind of like, what have you done for me recently? As opposed to who you are as a whole player. And I think this month of June, Hicks playing well, plays great for him and not great for the Yankees. I think Aaron Hicks playing well this month makes him so valuable at the trade deadline because you can throw Hicks in with a couple of prospects. Yeah, so who would you want to trade Hicks for? What kind of player would you want to trade Hicks for at the deadline if that happened? See, I'd want Hicks for a contact player. A guy that speaks out to me is Brian Reynolds, the guy on the the Pirates, plays great defense. Brian Reynolds. He can play infield. Oh, my God. He can play outfield. He's a lefty bat. I think if the Yankees got rid of Hicks, and I'm not saying they're going to make this deal with the Pirates and get trade Brian Reynolds for pieces, but – I don't know. A guy that just speaks to my mind is Brian Reynolds. He's kind of a veteran hitter. He's yeah. played in the year, played in the league for the past couple of years. I think he's just. Well, you want you want someone up. that that, so the that can... don't need any more power. We have Donaldson. We have Judge. We have yeah. They have like we don't too much power. We don't need more well, no, guys so... that are going to hit two forty and strike out a hundred plus times. I mean, we need I'm guys. Gallo. We need guys that are going to come in and just 
hit a good 280, mm-hmm. 290. Like, I don't think the Yankees need a huge power hitter or a huge bat to sign at the deadline. I think well, the so need a guy that's you, versatile. Yeah, okay. Do you want someone, though, that, that just con- – like, you just want him to DH kind of deal, or do you want someone that, like, field. like you need to get some upgraded field? You got to play too. some outfield. You got to play some short. You got to play something. You got to be a versatile – like, in my opinion, something the Dodgers have had the past couple of years kind of made them elite is – They've had versatility. They've had utility guys in Chris Taylor, Kike Hernandez. They have guys where you can literally plug anywhere in the field. You got two. I mean, those are both righty bats, but Chris Taylor hits well against righty pitchers. But in my opinion, baseball, it's an 162-game season, all right? Your stars will be hurt at some point throughout the year, and you need utility guys to plug in and play in June, July, August, when the stars are hurt, you need someone to come in the lineup and step up. And like, when I look at the Yankees, now they can just avoid the injury bug and be fine. Be crazy. But the Dodgers, they can never avoid the injury bug and they need a Kike, they need a Chris Taylor to step up. Do you have any concerns with bench depth? Any concerns when it comes to what if, God forbid, Judge gets hurt? What are the Yankees going to do? You know? See, if Judge gets hurt, the season's over. I mean, that's just a matter of fact. He's been our most consistent guy. He's our power guy. He's our contact guy. He's our defensive guy. I mean, Judge is literally everything for the Yankees right now. So if he gets hurt, you can chalk the season up and just move on to next year. If he walks, I mean, that would suck. Okay. But if he gets hurt, I mean, the Yankees are screwed. That's Yeah, so, that's so one thing. But here's one thing. the thing about the Yankees is here's what I'm not worried like, – I'm a huge defense guy. I think it helps the pitchers out a ton. And I think the reason why the Yankees pitchers have had so much success this year is because of the defense, but we don't need to sign a guy. That's a huge defense guy because judge has proven that he can play center and Gallo is a gold glove corner outfielder. He's won a gold glove the past two seasons. So if you have two, Gallo's got a cannon. if you have one gold glover in the outfield and one guy, I mean, judge is, Judge is damn near a goal goal. I mean, he's a top 10 defender. In my opinion, like, Judge he is, is the best, right might there. Might be the best defender on that team. I mean, he is right there for a goal glove. I'm not going to say he's going to win a goal glove five times in his career. Who plays but, better defense than Judge on the Yankees? Like, can you think of Besides Gallo, I mean, think, Judge plays the best defense on the Yankees. I would rather have Judge than Gallo at a corner outfield position. Probably. Like, uh, just like his athleticism, his speed, his size. He can make those uh, – crazy plays and stuff yeah so i think in the outfield we're not looking for a guy that can come in and just play gold glove defense i mean i'm looking for a guy that can hit for contact i'm looking for that guy that can be our leadoff hitter because when you move dj to the five or six spot i mean he's a great hitter when hitter when pitchers don't have to worry about dj, DJ LeMay, that's a five I mean, hitter that's a problem that's a problem and that helps the bottom of the lineup that's in. been great for i mean it helps it so much more yeah so i think i'm not looking for a guy who's like defensive heavy i'm just looking for a guy that can I can swing it. Yeah. This recording. You want you want to come in on the pod? You guys have any sports takes? What's yeah, up? Totally. Um, you guys are gonna kill it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I no. appreciate that. No, thank you. You're so welcome yeah. because I know I know what you can do, the skills you have, the skill set you have in your game, but it's gonna be good today. I feel it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys hear that? And that's it. the thing about Aaron Judge is he's been great lately. <laughs> he I mean, he's got really all the great. skills, like she said. He's got the skill set. It. 
we're he's gonna killing kill it. it. You, know, you know what to do. You know what to do. But we're like, you need to execute it. Execute it in the correct way possible. All right. Sorry about that quick interruption. Uh, we had some females walk in the room, and we had to cut the pod real quick because you know we're all about business over here at the Waterboy Pod. But uh, real quick before we let Luca go, this is for real. Before we let you go. I just want to give you this little opportunity, give a couple of opinions. What do you think about the Yankees or outlook this season? Maybe outlook to the future, maybe short-term, whatever's on your mind. Give me what you think about the Yankees outlook. Just let it free throw, baby. Free flow. So here's the thing about the Yankees moving forward, moving on to the second half of the year. Right now with the Yankees, they're win now. They have to win this year or next year or it's toast because the past – couple of years have been kind of rebuilding kind of win now but we didn't have the pieces to win now so it was never going to be win now this season has proved the first half of the year the yankees need to win now first thing i have to say is that glaber torres needs to keep swinging a hot bat glaber torres i said going into the season has been the x factor i mean glaber if glaber's good the yankees are good and glaber's been great this month and if he's good, he's the middle of the order guy. So is he batting what five? He's batting five, six, four, five, six. He, I mean, he needs to be that guy moving forward. We've seen Glaber in 2019, he had an unbelievable postseason. 2021, he carried the Yankees. And like Glaber Torres needs to be that guy. And he needs to be the guy that he was in the 2019 playoffs because he carried that offense. He won the first game at Houston. And if we can see that out of him, the rest of the Yankees lineup will fall into place. I'm not worried. Second thing about the Yankees is the starting pitching obviously needs to stay up. I mean, the starting pitching for the Yankees has been their formula for winning games. We've taken a lot of pressure off the bullpen. I mean, like I said earlier in the episode, we lost our two most reliable bullpen guys from last year in Loisaga and Chapman, along with Chad, Chad Green, Green, who also was out for the year. Yeah. But the starting pitching needs to stay as they can. I mean, Garrett Cole's got to be great. Tyone's got to be great. Monty's got to be great. Nestor's got to be great. And Seve, who's my favorite Yankees pitcher, can fall right into that two spot. Mm-hmm. I love Seve in a high leverage big game because that's when he shines. <laughs> Is uh, Domingo still out there? Domingo's not out there, but it's all right. It's fine. We don't need Domingo. We have our five starters, and we're going to move forward. We have two lefties, three righties, and with these guys, we're going to move forward with these guys. And if they can show up like they can, then it'll be great. The third thing about the Yankees that'll push them from a playoff team to a World Series team is Rizzo and Stanton. I mean, Rizzo and Stanton. I agree. Both those guys need you to. You know what you're getting out of Judge. You know, you know what you're judge getting out of Judge. Like, this to like I said earlier, Glaber can get hot. And if he's hot and the Yankees are good, but Rizzo hits third, Stanton hits fourth. I mean, those two guys, they need to show the power that they can. Stanton has shown flashes of average, as has Rizzo in Chicago. If those two guys can both hit for average and hit for power and just be a scary guy, a guy a bullpen doesn't want to face going down the stretch then the Yankees will be a-okay. Okay, real quick before we let you go, last question. Give me your Yankees lineup. for It, it could be an experimental game lineup. ALDS. Sure. Game one, ALDS, when you guys are taking on probably uh, – I mean, you guys will finish first. You'll play a wild card. In my opinion, you'll probably play like the Rays or the, the Red Sox. Uh, let's be real. They'll probably win that wild card game. Give me your lineup in that first game. We don't need positions. Give me the one through nine. So right now I have DJ hitting one, Judge two, 
Rizzo, three. Stanton, four. Glaber, five. Donaldson, five. Glaber, six. Kiner Falefa, seven. Trevino, eight. And Aaron Hicks in the nine spot. Now, I love Trevino as your eight hitter. Yeah, absolutely. That's terrifying. I mean, Trevino's hitting 280 this year. I mean, that can't go unnoticed. When, when sure, I he look hasn't at played the... every game, but I mean, I mean, that's a guy that you need in the bottom of the lineup. He's okay. Got some power. I mean, now that I'm thinking that we have it here, I need to ask. When I look at the AL right now, the teams that kind of scare me, Yankees are obviously one. And I will always be afraid of the Rays and the Red Sox. But do you have any teams maybe in the AL West? I know the AL Central, we're not worried about them, but maybe the Astros. Is there a team other than Rays, Red Sox? Are you worried about the Blue Jays this year? I'm going to be honest. I'm scared of the Astros. I'm not scared of anyone in the Central. I am am terrified of the Red Sox going down the stretch. I think if any team in the AL East is going to catch the Yankees, it's going to be the Red Sox. It's not going to be the Jays, and it's not going to be the the Rays because the Yankees have proven that they can beat both those teams, and we're not scared of them. And I'm not saying we haven't proven – we've only played Boston once, and we beat them two out of three in opening Wasn't that week. early? Yeah, opening early, early series. So we haven't seen anything. I am terrified of the Red Sox. The Red Sox, we haven't seen them in a while. They had a slow start. They're on an absolute terror. I'll be right honest, now. and I, I mean, do not get that. I'll be honest. Right there. Luka, it takes a lot for you to admit that a team scares you. And for your arch rivals, for you to actually come out and say Boston Red Sox scare me, that's saying something. Here's yeah, my hot. I don't hear that out of you often. Here's me being a negative fan, and I, I think if anyone's going to catch the Yankees and win the AL East, it's the Red Sox, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did. If the Red Sox had a second-half surge and took the Yankees over in the AL East, sure, we're up 12 games on them right now. I think if anyone's going to do it, I think the Red Sox are going to – take over the AL East and beat the Yankees down the stretch because the Red Sox have Trevor story. Who's heating up. He started slow and every, all the Boston fans were, Oh, I hate Trevor story. This Dude, guy sucks. But story has been really good. And he's and one I of the best players the in the Devers league. And JD, Devers JD, JD Martinez this year. Here's the thing about the Red Sox. I mean, they have Trevor their story concerns me though. Their pitching isn't Eobaldi. great, but here's the thing about the Red Sox, Trevor story, Rafi Devers, Xander JD. Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. That's the first four hitters you're facing in the game. And we talked about this earlier about Garrett Cole. If we're facing the Red Sox and he's got to go through those three guys, I mean, you can't really put together a better lineup than any other team. The Blue Jays I'm not scared of. The Blue Jays are fun. The Blue Jays are young. They play a good, great, a lot of home runs. They don't play great defense. They don't have pitching. The Yankees are a better version of the Blue Jays. The Rays have dominated the Yankees for the past few years, but the Yankees have proven this year. The Rays are absolutely struck with injuries right now. I mean, they have no bullpen. They're bringing up guys that, oh, sure, so this guy pitches weird. for the Rays. So it's like, he's good. But guess what? None of these and guys Wander's are good. Wander's hurt, too. Wander's hurt. Their best bullpen guys are hurt. As a Yankee fan, I am absolutely terrified of the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are starting to figure it out. They're starting pitching, starting to figure it out. Their lineup is better than the Yankees lineup. And in the Yankees, in the Yankees park, the Red Sox can just outslug the Yankees. If anyone's going to catch the Yankees in the AL East, it's going to be the Red Sox. But with that being said, love what the Yankees are doing right now. Love the way they're playing. I think their formula is great. Great starting pitching, great bullpen. The lineup's good. 
everything's going to work out for the Yankees. But if one team's going to catch the Yankees in the AL East, it's going to be the Boston Red Sox. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you real quick before we let you go, Luca. Thank you so much for having you on the pod, brother. It's been a pleasure. We expect you to be on a lot more throughout the years. One thing me and never been talking about it's summer right now. The only sports going on is baseball. So I expect to have you on a lot more times uh, rest of the year, but yeah, thank you so much for having on. Any last things you want to say? Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I feel like this was long overdue, but all I got to say is, Go Yanks. This is our year. Thank you so much, Boogie. Thank you so much, Boogie. I want to say a quick, quick shout out to my boy. Uh, This man, he is killing it right now, playing for Babson, destroying it in the outfield right now. This is my boy. We know he's going to get drafted one day, the MLB, and I can't wait till I'm there uh, to to sing along for the ride. Uh, But we're going to get to the nitty gritty right now. Uh, kind of a weird format for this episode, starting off with a guest and then going into the meet. But you know what? At the Waterboy Podcast, we work around our guests. We work around the people that we want on the pod, and we do everything for you guys in mind. So uh, I know Everett has been anxious, uh, waiting to get into everything. Uh, real quick, Everett, before mm-hmm. we get into football everything, I have just one real quick thing I want to say about football, okay? or uh, baseball, I mean, sorry. Uh, let me get this out real quick. Uh, might edit this out, might not. I think I'm kind of interesting right now, so I probably won't edit it out. Okay. Let's talk a real quick thing about the Dodgers real quick. So Freddie Freeman has been heating. He's been absolutely on fire this past Make series. That revenge tour to uh, Atlanta. Yeah, so we got the Atlanta series right now. Dodgers currently tied 3-3 with the Braves. We got great things in store. We're expecting greatness. Uh, now, this is my one thing when it comes to Freddie Freeman. His first, Before he even took that first AB in Atlanta, he's crying. He's letting all the emotions out. Let's take a quick dive back into Freddie Freeman. He's drafted as a Brave. Keep in mind the Braves. They went on their crazy run early 90s, late 90s. I'm not exactly entirely sure when, but they had the crazy rotation in the starters uh, with like Smoltz, uh, uh, Kurt Schilling. I'm pretty sure all those guys were all on that uh, rotation. They've been struggling recently. They finally won the World Series last year, and they were led by none other than Mr. Brave himself, Freddie Freeman. So when he goes back to Atlanta, of course, I expect an outpouring of emotions. I expect the world of applause for him. One thing that really, really angered me as a Dodger fan, not even a Dodger fan, just a a sports fan. I heard some boos in that Atlanta crowd when Freddie Freeman was about to take his first at bat. And that, that angered me. Let's just keep in mind, it was the Atlanta Braves who didn't offer Freddie Freeman a contract. Freddie Freeman didn't refuse the Braves and take the Dodgers. The Atlanta Braves never even gave him an opportunity to resign. Okay. So I mean, that's all okay. I want to say. Look, look, to be fair, the one thing, like, obviously it's on the Braves. The Braves are at fault for that bit. And some fan, like most fans, most Braves fans know that, but some Brave fans probably are still like, they feel a little bit betrayed by it. Like, you know, Freddie is like Mr. Mr. Braves, Mr. Atlanta. And I mean, they're, they're, they're he's their baby boy. Like, I mean, you would want, you'd want to to have him there too, right? So, or you'd want to keep him. Like, it's like the same thing, like 
Okay, like the Vikings, like our prize possession right now is Justin Jefferson. If Justin Jefferson doesn't resign with the Vikings, even if we're, even if we're, um, you know, like, okay, like the Vikings didn't like offer him or whatever. I get what you mean. We'd be upset. No, yeah, yeah. Right now it's just like, there's just certain like piece of the team you just need to, you need to resign, get back on the team, have everything intact. Uh. And no, no I, I agree with that. Uh, when it comes to MLB, you got anything else real quick you want to say? I got one last thing I want to bring up about the MLB. Do you have anything else or no? No, that's it. Okay, so last thing I want to bring up, I think it's hilarious the poll that Dodgers fans have uh, when it comes to MLB all-star voting. So recently the, Do- <laughs> recently the Dodgers, uh, I think I read this correctly, Max Muncie is fourth place right now in voting at his position. And I think it's hilarious that Max Muncie, I think he has like an 160 batting average right now. And he's in the top five voting at his position group. Uh, only the Los Angeles Dodgers can get that pull when it comes to yeah. all-star voting. Like, okay, I'm not going to say only the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'm going to retract on my words real quick. But like, yes, Yankees, Red Sox can get that pull. I, I, I mean, I get, I guess like maybe Asterisk could probably get that pull right now. Uh you tell me just the Dodgers pull is hilarious. You got guys who are clearly having the worst seasons of their career and we're still voting them top five for the all-stars. So that's all I got to say. Uh, kind of a fun little yeah. fact. You know, all of Muncie's, uh, you know, arguments with, with umpires and ball location just deserves him to be voted in the all-star. You know, it's the same reason why uh, Angel Hernandez, you know, is considered the best umpire of all time in the MLB, you know, just pure, pure perfection at their spots in the sport. Yes, I mean, some groups. guys just go above and beyond. They, they explain excellence, you know, I think they, I saw fine greatness when it comes to uh, their performance at their craft. I think uh, I saw a uh, a call from Angel Hernandez like yesterday, maybe it was this morning. I think it was the Pirates versus someone else. The uh, first baseman for the Pirates had caught the ball like a solid two seconds before the runner's foot even touched first base. Yeah. They called him safe. And you know who made that call? Angel was Hernandez. Was it on hell? I have no idea. Was it on hell? Yeah, it was on hell. It was on hell. It was on hell Hernandez. Most likely on how, uh, you know, those are the things that you're going to get uh, out of a guy like Angel. Uh, okay. I think uh, we're about ready to wrap up. We'll be, we've been let's, talking let's about it. Let's, let's, let's get into some NFL talk. Who uh, cares I'm, about this? Who cares? Look, so, so here's the deal. Just being completely transparent. Uh, yeah. We're recording this very late at night. I have a lot of work that I need to be doing. And I I'm currently in Santa Barbara. This is the vacation episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, kind of great, though. Of, <laughs> it's going swimmingly. So if we don't talk about the M- NBA draft and yeah, whatnot, I'm the one who has to edit this tomorrow. So it'll be fun for me and not you. It's, uh, it's not it's not going to be fun for him one bit. I guarantee. No, it's probably going to be like staying. the worst editing experience of my life. I hope I fix my camera for everybody on YouTube. I, no, first I want to uh, you, apologize. You, you look like, you know, the heat lamps that they put the food underneath at like. Like you look I'm, like a, I'm, like, a, dude, I'm a goddamn dude. appetizer under a fucking lamp. Everett. <laughs> You look like a, a chicken tender under a heat lamp right now. Oh, wait. Okay, let, let me fix this. Is, is this better? Dude, 
It's, that's a little bit better, yeah. Okay, I mean, uh, you know, I kind of like this mood. It's a little dark. It looks a little misty. Someone might pop so, out of the okay. corner behind me. Okay, so, so this little bit. <laughs> and the MLB. Little, let's get on to real yeah, stuff. NFL, so. let's get NFL, and this is all staying in, by the way. I want this to all stay in. Um, let's get into some NFL. And, and um, Curious what you mean by that, but all right, let's get into it. Wrap up the episode, but we just a little bit. Um, look, okay, so the first thing that I, I wanted to to just talk about is uh kamara's getting suspended for six games um deshaun watson has yet to be suspended yes so i mean rudge what are we looking at here so you know i'm not gonna include this in like a little clip or anything but let's just go back and do a little history of the nfl suspension so ray rice the infamous ray rice story Ray Rice got two games for video evidence of him assaulting a woman. Uh, let's leave it at that. It was way worse than that. Let's just say assaulting. I don't know a different, I don't know a different Jaren phrase to use to describe that scenario other than Dude. assaulting. Uh, let's leave it at that. Ray Rice received a two game suspension for that. Adrian Peterson. Was so next. shout out the NFL. I well, Roger hey, Goodell. He puts the best product on the field. Don't know forget that. when Miles Garrett almost murdered a man on live television. He got six games. Now okay. I'm going to be honest, Browns fans, you might be upset with me, but just coming from a human perspective, when that Miles Garrett thing happened, I'd literally instantly win. This is above the NFL. This might literally go to like the police department what just transpired at i think it was heinz field i think it was Uh, was, was in pittsburgh Pittsburgh. what transpired could you imagine if miles garrett hit mason rudolph with the crown of the helmet instead of like the the other side if he hit him with the hard part of the helmet i i literally think we would have seen mason rudolph's brains on television like that's scary one thing that's kind of it's kind of funny about that, um, Larry Ogunjobi was the defensive tackle who like pushed Mason Rudolph into like Miles Garrett for all that. They are now on the same team. They're both on the Steelers. Interesting debacle that you definitely got to bring. You got to bring that one up in OTAs for sure. Uh, ha, damn, you guys come in here every five minutes. Jump on back in, but yeah, no, no, no. That's one of those things where you look at it and you're just like. I don't really understand. They're popping in. Uh, I, I just don't really get it. I don't really understand. Uh, but those are the things you're going to get in the NFL. You know, those are the things you get on the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Um, okay. I got, a, I got a little bit for you for, for this week. Uh, a bit of a clip. So a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, to go, whatever, we had a segment where we were basically saying, would you rather have this quarterback or this other one? I recruited the help of one of my friends to compile a list of all the most debatable quarterbacks to compare to this man. And this man is Kyler Murray. Okay. So I have a list of quarterbacks for you. All right. So you are essentially comparing, would you rather have, let's say essentially you're taking this quarterback, sticking them on the Vikings or whatever. Like it's just a quarterback. Got it. Got it. Mm -hmm. Would you rather have them or Kyler Murray? So the first quarterback Justin Fields. Would you rather have Justin Fields? Kyler Murray. Okay. Derek Carr. Would you rather have Derek Carr or Kyler Murray? 
Kyler Murray. Uh, now, real quick, are we talking just one season? Are we talking long-term? Even We're if it talking. was one season, I'd still take Kyler Murray over both of the quarterbacks you just said. Let's say like the talking. next three years. Look, I, I personally think... Let's I'd just do be, net, just next season. Let's do right now. I personally, I, I personally would rather have Derek Carr. Derek Carr has done more with less on his team. No, 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 no. I, I completely and understand. I think That's overall, you, but look, I like, think for the sake of this, let's do one season next year. I still would rather have Derek Carr than Kyler Murray. I, fair. I'm picking Kyler. Okay. But okay. Let's just do next season, though, just like for me. Just one season. Okay. Dak Prescott. Dak. I, dude, I think that's a close debate, though. Very close. That's very hard. Dak and Kyler, the separation between them two, it's like. Now, for me, yeah, Kyler, you have that running factor. In my opinion, now Dak has had a lot of things around him. He's had a great O-line. He's had phenomenal receivers. He's had Ezekiel Elliott. I I understand he has those pieces behind him, helping him. I'd still take Dak over Kyler. Okay. Just that pure quarterback for next season. We're talking one year. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Okay. Russell Wilson. Russ, but it's a thin mark. Okay, actually, Russ and I I hesitated on that. Firm Russ over Kyler Murray. Firm Russell Wilson over okay. Kyler Murray. I thought about, but firm Russell Wilson over Kyler. Yes. Jameis Winston. Kyler Murray. Okay. So when Jameis goes 50 for 50 this year. We talk in touchdown interceptions, correct? Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. No, no, um, great for fantasy. The number one and two receivers for Jameis are almost insta-drafts every year. Yeah, like, no, literally. That's very fair. Chris Olave this year, by the way. Pick up. I, I think Probably. Olave will do very well, especially with this Camaro suspension. Look, They'll be passing on. early. They'll break him in quick. Okay, they'll break right him now. in quick. Hot take right now. Don't Chris expect Olave. much out of the Saints season. Hot take right now. Chris Olave will have a better start to the season than Michael Thomas will. Now, I think Mikey T is actually hurt. I, I'm not sure if he'll be ready for week he one, but I know back, Olave yeah. will be. Like that, that's one thing that kind of gets me a little, a little excited for Olave. I know he'll be ready week one. He'll be on the field. I'm not sure about Michael Thomas, and especially with Kamara, he won't. So when it comes to the Saints, just when it comes to just org perspective, like this year, like arguably number one focus break Olave in. I know they just signed Demario Davis. They got some older pieces on defense resigning. I'm not sure how old Cam Jordan is in his contract sitch, but Lattimore, you have him around for another four, three, four years of dominant corner play. You know, you have the pieces there. This year, it's okay not doing well this year. It's okay. Okay. One last quarterback I have so we can just get some more content in here. Um, Kirk Cousins. You know my answer to this question. And I don't I, – I honestly don't think that there's, there should be that much debate. Mm-hmm. That, that's your answer? Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. You, wait, wait. Say it again about Kirk Cousins? What? Wait, what? I don't think that it should be that much of a debate. Kirk Cousins or Kyler Murray? Yeah, Kyler Murray. If Kyler Murray is in that Vikings offense, oh my God, I couldn't even imagine. Look, I think that 
obviously Kyler Murray is a more athletically gifted individual. Now, this is the thing. I think, I think the way Kirk runs that offense, I think Kyler could do the simple plays Kirk makes probably definitely definitely not as well the simple easy two read throws let's get the ball out quick he couldn't do that as well kirk does that as as a veteran yes you're able to read the field you're able to get those quick throws out when it's second and short okay second down okay people don't talk about second down in my opinion second down is the most important down okay no, if you do far. well on second down you don't have a third down okay i don't care what you've done first down your second down play that first down play better bet better set up second down okay the situation you have in second down changes everything and i think Kirk cousins might be a better quarterback in second down than kyler murray okay i i think he might be okay uh, look. I just feel like the things you can do with Kyler Murray with a Dalvin Cook, a Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, I, I, I don't know. But okay, before I'm, before I'm going to take a quick little break, I just want to leave you on this. Give me, just give me your thoughts. What do you think about, you know what? Okay, I'll leave you on this. Give me two reasons why you would take Kirk Cousins over Kyler Murray next season right now. Look. Kyle Murray obviously is a more gifted athlete, like I said, but Kirk Cousins and the offense that um, Kevin O'Connell has designed, it's going to be so much better for what Kirk actually is good at, which is passing. Kirk Cousins and Kyler Murray, obviously Kyler Murray's got a really big arm, but people can say that he's not that accurate as a passer down the field. Kirk Cousins actually is all right, you're going to play the little clip of Kirk Cousins throwing the ball straight to, I believe it's a Bears uh, a cornerback last season. Just ignore that. Um, but look, he's much better as, as a passer. And because the offense is going to be running more through passing rather than running, that is designed more to Kirk Cousins' abilities. So when we're talking about threading the needle, when we're talking about getting it straight to receivers in pockets, I'm not talking about throwing the ball deep and trying to get D hop to go and catch it on a hail Mary because any quarterback can do that. If it's luck like that, I'm talking about threading the needle, getting it into the pocket because that's what Kirk cousins does best. And that's, what's going to be best for this offense next year. Now. Okay. Now I didn't hear anything you just said, but I just heard your last part getting the ball. in. I agree with you. Okay. When you have those pieces, those weapons around you, now, in my opinion, the offense isn't the problem with the Vikings. Kirk Cousins oh, no, isn't the problem, defense. okay? The, the defense, defense obviously defense. is the problem right now. And I just think with Devontae Adams leaving, I know that Packers defense is a little scary right now, but in my eyes, mm. this is an opportunity for the Vikings to strike look, in the look, NFC look. North. So I'm look. not saying I'm not saying Kirk is a problem, do you think no. you guys made the, do you think you guys filled the positions in Lewis scene? Uh, do you think you guys actually close that gap? Cause Devonte Adams out of green Bay is a massive, but, massive downgrade to that uh, Packers. Yeah, so, offense. so here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. One, I think Lewis scene and cam. Uh, I think Lewis seems a phenomenal player. Lewis scene and Cameron. Bynum I'm just not sure the impact he can have at his position. Look, I, I, look, I don't let know. Finish. Let me finish. So we, the, the safeties we have, Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, and Lewis Seen. Phenomenal. I think, 
I think the three of them are going to make an incredible part of the secondary. I'm with you. And I I honestly, like, I wouldn't worry about Lewis seen not being able to play up to what I think that he's going to fill the position perfectly. And I think that we're going to have three safety sets that are going to do really well. The bigger thing is you have to worry about the cornerbacks. We have a couple yeah, cornerbacks. Is a bit of an issue. Patrick Peterson's still there, but I think is, that is that's Hunter back. Daniel is he good? Daniel is back, and he's playing outside linebacker now. They're Switch blitzing. a three-four. Okay, they're playing a three-four, blitzing him on the edge, and don't forget the other edge now is Zadarius Smith. And Big I think that that's a pretty. That's a pretty. I think Zadarius Smith is one of the best pass both, rushers in the league right now. Zadarius Smith is both healthy. If they're both healthy, I think that's, that's the one humble. issue with Zadarius health. And, and they have Harrison Phillips they got in free agency from Buffalo, who is a, a massive interior piece of that D-line. Yeah, so think, yeah. No, I mean, a part of the look, thing has been replacing Linval Joseph in the recent years, in my opinion. Yeah, so we do also have Armand Watts, who's a very big body, kind of has that same structure. And there's a couple of people waiting in the wings that we might be able to see how it turns out. Um, the big thing that I just want to say is, look, the offense – and Justin Jefferson said this, it is going to be pass first now. It's yeah, always it's been run first over the last, I don't know, four or five years. The Vikings have always kind of been a run first team. Adrian Peterson right into Dalvin Cook, right? Come like, on. I mean, yeah, I mean, on. you got per- you got two good options. I don't blame them. Look, I don't blame but, them. But because this is going to be a pass first and because of the way that this has gone, Justin Jefferson is going to be the number one wide receiver in the NFL next year. He will be the number one fantasy receiver, the number one wide receiver in the NFL, and people are going to be absolutely shocked by the amount of now. Now, in my opinion, I I actually one thousand percent agree with you that he will be the number one fantasy receiver statistically PPR non PPR. I don't care. In my opinion, Justin Jefferson will next year be the number one fantasy receiver. Do you think? Actually, before we even get there. Where would you rank Justin Jefferson currently on your current wide receiver NFL list? In my opinion, he's without a doubt top 10. I would put him top five. I'm not sure if we can put him top three current though. I, I, oh, I so, really so. haven't looked into this. You can convince me right here if you got some got some good points. I think we can put him top five without a doubt top 10. I don't know about top three. What do you think? Look, so I think without a doubt, he's going to be a, I mean, everybody is going to be putting him in the top five. I think that that's without a question. Cooper comes obviously. I would put him in the top five, but I can understand some people debating. I I can get it. You think, you think that it should be first thought. I haven't thought this through. I haven't thought this through. I'll be honest, but if someone didn't put him top five, I could be like, okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the top five receivers i'm not gonna give you their names but the top five receivers yeah no no, no. i don't need to order anything just last year i'm giving you the receiving okay, just from yards. last year yards okay last year, and you're gonna tell me which receivers you think it is okay number one 1947 number Cop. two I, I know that but yeah number two 1616 is that is that tyreek three 1500 was that tyreek or no no no, okay. Okay. Three, 1,553. Yeah. Four, 1,445. And five is 1,405. Okay, just off instant reaction, those numbers are crazy. Those numbers are crazy for the so top I five want, receivers. What, who do you think? Who do you think those top five are? That's uh, 
so I thought Tyreek, I thought Tyreek would be in that high 1500, like low 1600. If Tyreek is, is he not top five? I would put him at third if he, if he wasn't, like, is, there's no way Tyreek isn't top five. I can't tell you. I'm waiting. You have to tell me. Who do you think those five are? I think Tyreek is three. And if you don't say three, I'm going to guess four or five. Like, is Tyreek top five or no? Like, no, no. wow. Wow. Rip, damn. Okay. No. Uh, second question, are they all wide receivers or is Travis Kelsey on that list? Travis Kelsey is not on that list. Okay. He's not even, receivers. he is not. So they're all any- wide receivers. Travis Travis Kelsey is not even the first tight end on this list. But they're all wide receivers. They're all wide receivers. Okay. Um Okay. Is Jay Jettis two? Yes. Justin Jefferson. I knew 1, he was 000... top five. I didn't think he was two. But though. look, I'm making a point. That's crazy. Justin Jefferson had the second most receiving yards last year at 1,600. I think he's amazing. I'm not directly, hating. Directly behind Cooper Cup. And you know who the offensive coordinator for Cooper Cup was last year? The head coach for the Vikings this year. If Justin Jefferson. Is that his name? What's his name? Kevin O'Connell. O'Connell. I, sorry, I got Kevin Stefanski. Stefanski is on the Browns. I got now. Kevin. I got but Kevin no, Stefanski. No. Kevin O'Connell. Okay. Justin okay. Jefferson had the second most receiving yards in the NFL last year no, on a I run first right. I'm not on a right. run first right. offense with Mike Zimmer as the head coach. No, I'm not now, hating. I'm not hating. I'm not. Hating. But I'm saying, I'm saying, if you don't think, no, I think, I think there's going to. I agree with you. I think he'll be the number one receiver. I, I think, think he will. I think that he's. I think that he's the third best receiver right now in the NFL, and I think by the end of next year, he's going to be the top receiver in the NFL. But I think if you're the number one statistical receiver, I'm not sure if that makes you the best receiver. Like, I don't think Cooper Cup's the best I'm receiver not, in the NFL. Just, I'm, not just talking, I'm not just talking statistics. Do you think, like, Cooper Cup, I would put him top five? I'm not even sure if I'd put him firmly top three. And I take I into think, account the last, like, four seasons when it comes to wide receiver. Look, like, if you, I can't just look at last year. I can't. Like, I, I just to, can't. Look, I, I think I think in non in, in random order, like the top five wide receivers are probably, and this is not con- but Debo Samuel, Devontae Adams. Debo must uh, be. Yeah. Jay Jettas, Tay. Cooper Cups in there. I said Devontae, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. And and I wouldn't put Jamar Chase there yet. No, like no, 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 Justin Jefferson, just by the coach he has, by the way that, like, it doesn't even matter statistically, talent-wise, he is already a top five wide receiver, and he's already been. No, no, no. I fully agree. I think Justin Jefferson is going to give him, if you give him the ability to be in a pass-first offense to exploit his talents, and he's already been the second receiver. His second year had the the second most receiving yards in the NFL on a run-first offense. He is going to exploit blow this year not just on a fantasy level but on an extreme level on the nfl as a whole i don't even think that you'd be able to guard him like every he's a he's a nightmare matchup every single team no matter what is they're watching his film to try and call no no i I agree to to show their receiving groups now this is something i want to say about justin jefferson real quick rookie season for justin jefferson 1400 yards seven touchdowns soft more season for Justin Jefferson, 1,600 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns. Through two seasons in the NFL, he has 3,000 yards and 17 touchdowns. 
He has. He best. might be on pace to be a top ten receiver all time all when time. it's said and done. He, like he is, he on, is on pace. Those two start of the sixteen hundred yards year two with Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen in your offense. Okay, actually, if anything, first, have another option. If anything, that first, helps your stats. But first thing, first thing I want to say. First thing I want to say. Three K. First thing I want to say. Like. Dude, thank you, Eagles, for allowing the Vikings to have this prosperous future. Um, yeah, great job drafting Rieger, guys. What a pick. Um, but second, look, like all the top receivers in the NFL have always had like a second kind of receiver with them. Randy Moss had Chris Carter. Uh, Megatron had like some some like a slot and some other people that kind of took pressure. You know, there's always like, help. There's, there's always, always been other help. things to focus I think about. Had Tyreek had a Kelsey. Person. Kelsey had a Tyreek. I think I think Nate Burlinson went on the line. But Nate regardless, <laughs> regardless, like look, Jettis yeah. is on his is on a historic pace. And I just yeah. like there's not gonna be like people say Jamar Chase is better than Justin Jefferson. If you say that, you're absolutely delusional. Like like both of them are exceptionally great receivers. Jamar Chase got dropped into a phenomenal you can, situation. You can I don't need to be sus about it. Okay, one thing I want to bring up real quick. Before we close up, I'm not sure if you got any more NFL. I got one more thing, college football. Okay. Arch Manning, literally the second coming of Peyton Manning, just committed to Texas the other day. Okay. Right now, everybody is saying Texas, they have Quinn Ewers right now, who was previously the greatest college high, or high school quarterback recruit of all time. They just get Arch Manning now. With Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning at Texas, okay, they have dominant quarterback play over the next five years. Texas with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning for the next five seasons. If Texas doesn't, at the minimum, make a college football playoff, but more importantly, if they don't win a natty in the next five years, when will Texas football be back? When will they? Because right now, they literally, statistically, have the greatest quarterbacks in high school history since Vince Young. So when like, will they be back if they're not back in the next five years? Because they have the I guys the that keep in warm position. They have it. I think the last time Texas was back was with Vince Young. Literally, that was the last time like, they were back when it. they won that natty in 05, 06. That was the last time. And it's like they went to Colt McCoy next. Obviously, that didn't turn out uh, great. But he was no, he was good. He was good on Texas, though. Who are they going to have? Like, like, who is next right now for Texas? If they don't win a natty in the next five years, when will they, you know, they they when will they, when will they be back? That's all. And they're about to go to the sec. People sleep on that. That's all I got to say. But I think that might do this episode ever. You got anything, uh, any last words to say real quick for the viewers? It's been a chaotic episode. Please, please pray for Grant's wellness while he is editing this. Yeah, it's been a chaotic. I'm about to uh, edit this tomorrow morning on the beach. I'm not really sure how this is going to go, but yeah, that, that's been the episode. Don't, don't, uh, forget your, don't forget your computer charger. That's my recommendation. Yeah, uh, might need to run to the Apple Store and find a computer charger after this, but yeah, I think that's going to do it. Thank you guys so much for watching episode 25 in the books. We'll be back at you on Thursday with episode 26. Thank you guys so much for watching. Peace.